We're going to open with just a single verse. It's Galatians 6.14. Galatians 6.14. I love that lyric, and I know I, I quote lyrics a lot, but that one that says, Is it good that we remind ourselves of this? It is. It is. Because as another old hymn says, I'm prone to wonder, prone to leave the God I love. I am prone to get distracted. And so I need reminding over and over and over again. And, and that's why I'm thankful that many years ago we decided here at Arcadia Valley Community Church that we would have Communion Sunday as part of a service one Sunday a month. And I am thankful for the reminder. And I hope you are. I hope this never gets tiresome. I, I, I hope hearing of the message of the cross and of what Christ has done, that, that it would just renew us. Remembering what He has done for us. Because the Apostle Paul, Galatians 6.14, But God forbid that I should boast, King James Version says that I should glory except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ by whom the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we give you thanks for your word. And Father, as we come to it, I pray what we know not, teach us. What we have not, give us. And, and all, Lord, most of all, who we are not, make us. For Christ's sake and in His name I pray. Amen. Amen. This is a verse that just kept coming back to me this week as I was considering Communion Sunday. But God forbid that I should boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ by whom the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. And I know through the years I've talked about this a lot. But I'll say it again. Is it good to remind ourselves of this? Yes, it is. Yes, it is. The Greek word translated as boast. But God forbid that I should boast or that I should glory. That word means to exult, to rejoice, to boast in, to glory in, to joy over. And so the Apostle Paul is saying that he is rejoicing in the cross of Jesus Christ. And we've been talking about joy over the last several weeks, and we, we may get back to that next Sunday. And But why would Paul say rejoice in the cross? Why would he say that? Well, well, listen. Now listen. Because the sacrifice of Jesus Christ on the cross is the source of every believer's righteousness and acceptance before God. I'm going to read it again. Why? Why rejoice? Why glory in the cross? Because the sacrifice of the Lord Jesus Christ on the cross is the source of every believer's righteousness and acceptance before God. We, we owe everything to the cross. 2 Corinthians 5.21 For He, for God, made Him, Jesus Christ, His only begotten Son, His beloved, 
For He made Him who knew no sin to be sin for us. Why? That we might become the righteousness of God in Him. That's why. That's why. Without the cross, what's the grand total of all of our righteousness apart from the cross? Filthy rags. Take it all, take all of the righteousness of all the people in the world, all the good people, and lump it all together, and what is it? Nothing apart from the cross. It is nothing but filthy rags. But He made Him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in Him. Because for Redeemed sinners, born again believers, every good thing, every good and precious promise was obtained for us by the cross of Jesus Christ. And apart from the death of Christ, sinners get nothing but judgment. Apart from the cross, there is only condemnation. Therefore, Everything that we enjoy in Christ, everything we boast in, everything we rejoice in, is owing to the death of Jesus Christ upon the cross. So do we, do we get a partial understanding of what Paul is saying? All of our boasting, all of our rejoicing should flow from the source of the cross of Jesus Christ. God forbid that I should boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus. Because it was there that all our blessings were purchased at a tremendous cost. And what was the cost? The death of God's only begotten Son. And to know and to remember that we all sinners by nature, children of wrath, apart from Christ, far from the covenant of promise, but we who believe have been brought near to God how, oh, you know how. It's, a, it's our theme for today. The cross, the cross. Go to Ephesians 2, verse 11 through 13. And just, just let me say this. If I would never preach another sermon or another topic or another theme or anything else except for the cross of Christ, it would be okay. Because without the cross, where would we be? Well, that preacher's a one-horse pony. All he talks about is the cross. Well, without the cross, where would we be? Ephesians 2, 1 through 13. Therefore, remember, remember, child of God, remember that you, once Gentiles in the flesh, who were called uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision made in the flesh by hands, that at that time you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now, in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ have been brought near by what was accomplished upon the cross, you see. Colossians 1, 13 and 14. 
He has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of the Son of His love in whom we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins. Because of the cross. Because of the cross. Now, if you drop down verses 19 uh, through 22 in Colossians 1. For it pleased the Father that in Him and in His Son all the fullness should dwell, and by Him to reconcile all things to Himself, by Him, whether things on earth or things in heaven, having made peace through the blood of His cross. And you, who once were alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now He has reconciled. One of the lyrics we sang this morning talked about this very thing. Yet now He has reconciled in the body of His flesh through death. Why? Why all of this? Why all of this? Because of righteousness. So that He might to present you holy and blameless and above reproach in His sight. Because without the cross, we would stand before God the Father condemned. Nothing but judgment. Nothing but wrath. But because of Christ and what He has done for every believer, we have been clothed with a robe of righteousness, not of our own. It was nothing that we did, nothing I did, but it's all what He did. What He did upon the cross. Colossians 2, verses 13 and 14. And you being dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, He has made alive together with Him, having forgiven you all trespasses, having wiped out having wiped out the handwriting of requirements that was against us, which was contrary to us, and He has taken it out of the way. How? How could He do such a thing? Having nailed it to the cross. How important is the cross? <laughs> having wiped out the handwriting requirements that was against us, having nailed it to the cross. Probably one of the favorite verses of mine of any song whatsoever is that third verse of It Is Well. You you know it. Put the lyric up there, Chase. It Is Well, third verse. My sin, oh the bliss of this glorious thought my sin not in part but the whole is nailed to the cross and I bear it no more Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, oh, my soul. Is there a better lyric? Uh, It's got to be in my top ten. My sin. And it's like the writer... He's think, he already knows the rest of the story. He's thinking ahead. Oh, I can't contain it. Just the thought of what I'm getting ready to say. All oh, the bliss of it. I can't contain it. My sin, all oh, the bliss of this glorious thought. My sin, not in part, but the whole. All my sin. Nailed to the cross. And I bear it no more. And we will stand 
because of what Christ has done before God the Father, one day holy, blameless, and above reproach because of what Christ has done. For the true believer, our sins are covered by the blood, sins nailed to the cross, and Paul knew of the great importance of the work of the cross. 1 Corinthians 2, verses 1 and 2. And I, brethren, when I came to you, did not come with excellence of speech or of wisdom, declaring to you the testimony of God, for I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. And if there's one theme over and over and over again, it's good enough for the Apostle Paul. I... For I have determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Jesus Christ and the cross. So the basis of Paul's message, what did he preach? Well, let's go to 1 Corinthians, 1st chapter, verses 21 through 24. For since in the wisdom of God, the world through wisdom did not know God, It pleased God through the foolishness of the message preached to save those who believe. For Jews request a sign and Greeks seek after wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified. To the Jews a stumbling block and to the Greeks foolishness, but to those who are called both Jews and Greeks, Christ the power of God and the wisdom of God. Preach Christ. Preach the cross. But we preach Christ crucified. Oh, and it's still a stumbling block to the Jews today, is it not? And it's still foolishness to the Greeks. It's still foolishness to the world. Oh, but to those who are called Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. In verse 18, uh, Paul said this in 1 Corinthians 1.18, For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. Who does God save? What did it say? We read, It pleased God through the foolishness of the message preached to save those who, what? Believe. Our preacher's going to talk about believing again. Yes, I am. And I, and I will, all the time, all the time. Do you believe? Are you saved? Let's go to John 3. Let's just put up verse 14 to begin. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. Let's pause there for a moment. This is the account of Moses lifting up a bronze serpent, and it's found in Numbers 21. I initially wasn't going to read it, but I think I am, because it's not that long a passage. I don't know, Chase, if you can go to Numbers 21, if you want to just bring it up verse by verse. Uh, Beginning in verse 4, and then you can just click on it as we go. It's not in, okay. Then they journeyed from Mount Hor to the way of the Red Sea to go around the land of Edom, And the soul of the people became very discouraging in the way. And the people spoke against God and against Moses. So what are they doing? 
They're doing what they do so often, and if we're honest, probably what we do so often, grumbling and complaining. And the people spoke against God and against Moses. Why have you brought us up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? For there is no food and no water, and our soul loathes this worthless bread. God miraculously providing manna from heaven, and what are they saying? I loathe this worthless bread. So what's the Lord do? So the Lord sent fiery serpents among the people, and they bit the people. And many of the people of Israel died. Therefore the people came to Moses and said, We have sinned, for we have spoken against the Lord and against you. Pray to the Lord that He take away the serpents from us. So Moses prayed for the people. Then the Lord said to Moses, Make a fiery serpent and set it on a pole. And it shall be that everyone who is bitten when he looks at it shall live. So Moses made a bronze serpent and put it on a pole, and so it was. If a serpent had bitten anyone, when he looked at the bronze serpent, he lived. So, sin, ingratitude, murmuring, rebellion. God sent a curse upon the people. Snakes. They were biting the people. They were dying. They cry out to Moses. Ask God to do something. And so you know what it said. Moses fashioned a bronze serpent, put it on a pole, lifted it up in a camp. If you got bitten, all you had to do is what? Look. Look. Look to that which was lifted up. So, Brian talked about types and shadows. Man, this is amazing, isn't it? The means God chooses to rescue the people from this curse is the picture of the curse itself. You see that? Snakes were killing them. So looking to the image of the curse, a bronze serpent provided the cure. All they have to do in order to be saved from God's wrath, the the, the curse that was upon them, was, was to look at the provision hanging on the pole. So the, the imagery is it's, it's amazing. Verse 14 and 15 in John 3, Chase. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. Why? That whoever believes in Him, whoever looks to Him in faith, should not perish, but have eternal life. Jesus lifted up on the cross is the cure for the curse of sin that is upon mankind. Amen? In Numbers, the curse was the serpents biting and killing people and the cure, the bronze serpent hanging on the pole, a picture of the curse. And in the New Testament, the curse upon mankind is sin which brings the wrath of God and the one hanging on the cross is made to be sin into the very thing that is the curse. And Jesus takes upon Himself the very wrath of God that we might receive the cure, that we might go free, that we might have eternal life, that by His stripes we are healed from the curse of sin that is killing us and is going to send us to hell. What an amazing picture. 
what happened on the cross. God made Jesus to be sin. We read it earlier. Let's put it up again, Chase. 2 Corinthians 5.21 For He made Him who knew no sin to be sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God. The very curse made His Son to be that curse and to be lifted up. Our sins imputed to Christ, the sinless one, the one who knew no sin, took upon Himself the penalty for sin, took upon Himself the very wrath of God, and in turn all who believe, Christ's righteousness imputed, imparted, given to us who believe. Galatians 3, verses 13 and 14. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. Why did Christ do that? That the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles in Christ Jesus, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. So you see, in becoming like the snake, Jesus was the embodiment of our sin and the embodiment of our curse. And in becoming sin and a curse for us, He took our certain death and gives what? Eternal life. Eternal life to all who believe, to all who look, to all who look to Him in faith. Uh, now, now I, I wish I had that Spurgeon quote that I've read Often, to, to look, to look, to look. Look to the one who took upon himself our curse and was lifted up on the cross. Look to Jesus and be saved. That's Isaiah 45, verse 22. Look to me and be saved, all you ends of the earth, for I am God and there is no other. And I'll ask the question, and as long as I have breath and can preach, I'll keep asking this question. Do you believe? Because there is no greater question on the face of this planet than to have the right answer to that john 3 14 through 19 and as moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness even so must the son of man be lifted up that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life for god so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life for God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. He who believes in Him is not condemned, but he who does not believe is condemned already, because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And this is the condemnation, that the light has come into the world, and men loved darkness rather than light, because their deeds were Let's go ahead and read from Romans 10. 9 through 13, that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the scripture says, Whoever believes on him will not be put to shame. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek, for the same Lord over all is rich to all who call upon Him. For whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. If we go to Romans, the first chapter, verses 16 and 17. 
Apostle Paul saying, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes. For the Jew first, and also for the Greek, for in it, for in the gospel of Christ, for in it, the gospel of Christ, for in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. See, for those who believe the message of the cross, for the gospel of Christ, it becomes for them the power of God unto salvation. But for those who do not believe, John 3, verse 36, this puts it very plainly, very clearly, he who believes in the Son has everlasting life. And he who does not believe the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abides on him. And if they should die in that condition, they will stand before God the Father in condemnation at judgment. Wrath. Wrath. Christ died for our sins on the cross to take upon Himself the penalty for sin, to take upon Himself the wrath of God to secure for us eternal life for all who believe. Wrath for the unbeliever, but blood-bought mercy for the believer. Romans 5, verses 8 and 9. But God demonstrates His own love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Much more then, having now been justified by His blood, we shall be saved from wrath through Him. Believers saved from wrath. Unbelievers, even now, under the wrath of God. Is the message of the cross important? Oh. Yes, yes it is. But God forbid that I should boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. I think Paul is saying for the born-again believer that, that, that the cross is to always be magnified in our lives and in our living. I, I did come across a quote or some excerpts that I had put together once before from Martin Lloyd-Jones, and, and this is from the book, The Cross. And I thought this was very good. So, quote, Why? Why glory in the cross? Because it is by this that the world is crucified to me and I to the world. It is the means of my salvation. It is the very way in which I am saved. Our Lord dying on the cross is the very thing that saves us. If He had not died upon the cross, nobody would ever have been saved. There would be no gospel to preach. It is the saving event. It is the act whereby our salvation is accomplished. This is why the Apostle Paul glories in it. That is why Isaac Watts says, when I survey the wondrous cross, it is the thing that saves us and without which we would not be saved at all. Why is the cross the saving event? Because without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. 
Jesus Christ came to this earth to become the perfect, unblemished, by sin, sacrificial Lamb. John the Baptist had only one sermon, and he kept on repeating it, and it was this, Behold the Lamb of God, which takes away the sin of the world. All of the sacrificed lambs of the Old Testament were but types and shadows of the perfect lamb that was yet to come. God provided for Himself this perfect lamb in His own Son. This is what happened on Calvary's tree. God took your sins and mine and He put them on the head of His own Son. And then He smote Him. He punished Him. He struck Him. He killed Him. The wages of sin, the cost of sin, the penalty for sin is death. So what was happening on the cross was that God Himself was laying your sins and mine upon His own dearly beloved Son. And He paid the penalty for our guilt and our transgressions. End quote. Oh, is it important? Oh, it's everything. It's everything. So may we remember the the cross of Christ. May we remember His death, His burial, His resurrection. All the power of the resurrection. Because He lives, we too shall live. And Jesus Christ Himself left us a means by which we can remember. That's why I love this Sunday. 1 Corinthians 11. 1 Corinthians 11. We're going to read Uh, verses 23 through 26. For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the same night in which He was betrayed took bread, and when He had given thanks, He broke it and said, Take, eat, this is My body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of Me. In the same manner, He also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in My blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till He comes. We talk about it. He took two elements from the Passover meal. First was the bread. And we know what Jesus had said previously in in, in His ministry while He was yet on this earth. In John 6, verse 35, And Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall never hunger, and he who believes in me shall never thirst. And if you go to John 6, verse 50 and 51, this is the bread which comes down from heaven that one may eat of it and not die. I am the living bread which came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I shall give is my flesh which I shall give for the life of the world. Of the cup, Jesus talked about a new covenant in my blood. In Matthew 26, verse 28, For this is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. In Ephesians 1, verse 7, In Him we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of His grace. Jesus willingly gave Himself. He died for us. 
And Jesus said to take the bread and the cup and let it be a, a way that we might remember Him, remember what He has done on our behalf. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I, I give You thanks for, for Your Word. I, I give You thanks that, that the message of the cross is a theme that can be found throughout the entirety of the Bible. And Lord, as, as we come to this moment, I, I pray that You would pour out Your Spirit upon us to speak to every heart today. Lord, if there should be one who is yet lost, I, I pray that You would make the words that were said today alive for them. That You would open their eyes to the truth. That, that You would shine light into the darkness of their very soul. Lord, that You would grant them faith that they might believe the Gospel of Jesus Christ. So Lord, and in believing, oh Lord, grant them repentance and forgiveness. Lord, that they could confess their sins and turn and follow Christ. Lord, that, that all of this would, would make sense apart from a touch from you it is nothing but foolishness but all by faith uh, becomes the power unto salvation so Lord for all the believers I pray that we could use this day these messages Lord to revive our hearts that we would remember all the more of the importance of what Christ has done. So Lord, I pray as we, as we get ready to come to the table that, that You would bless the, uh, the, the bread, that You would bless the, the, the juice. Lord, just let it be a picture of, of what transpired in the upper room. Let it be a picture of what transpired upon the cross. So Lord, we pray Your blessing upon the table and we pray Your blessing upon all who will come to, to partake. Lord, just remind them of Your great love, a love that You would send Your only begotten Son to die for us. And Lord, may we never forget. It's in Christ's name I pray. Amen. Amen.